Hello and welcome to another edition of Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. I am Paul Finney and I'm going to be very quiet in this podcast and let my two guests speak more than me because, quite frankly, I'm out of my league with brains. Right, we have the wonderful, much missed, haven't seen you for a while, not even in South Africa Road. I don't know if you're avoiding me or I should ask what's gone wrong. James Evans, welcome back. How are you? I'm good, Paul. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm still in I'm still in F block, but likewise, I feel like I've just not seen you. Um, it's just a bit weird, but um, absolute pleasure to be back. Um, so thanks for having me on. It wasn't me, it was Chris, and I said, Oh, you haven't seen him for ages, but yes. And then Chris had to pull out. So anyway. Um, and the, the second get well, you know what, James, we're, we're, we're with QPR royalty. There's no other way of saying it. And um and they couldn't make it, so we got Clive instead. All right, Clive, how you doing? I was going to say I'm pleased you corrected that. Otherwise, uh, that would have that would have killed my Twitter mentions for months. If you oh, don't do that, don't Clive. I I know we shouldn't talk about it, but I think the same people who don't like you don't like me, and that's quite weird um, because we're very different people. And I'm just wondering, are they based on a lack of her? I don't know. It's very upsetting for me. I've spent the last ten years trying to distance myself from you. <laughs> Yeah. I just don't like people generally. That might be a, 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 a broader thing. I'll, I'll let you into a secret, Clive, right? My family do exactly the same thing. Um, even now, they're still trying to get me adopted. It's a bit late, but hey-ho. Right, we've had a bit... Right, James, I haven't seen you for ages because you're avoiding me. But this season, it's... it's Sadly, for 30 minutes, I thought I was just the best football. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, it was pretty lovely, wasn't it? And it's 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 weird. I remember, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it, but just kind of just riffing on what you were saying. I, I, obviously, I sat next to the same people for well over a decade, and one of them was like, because we hadn't scored for a little bit, it was like you get hung, you get greedy for goals because all of a sudden there's just like a glut of goals, which you've you know we've been dying to see that happen at some point this season. You think one day we'll all sort of marry up and someone will get a bit of a tonking. But yeah, it was, abs- it was absolutely uh, joyful. I mean, in fairness to Reading, the first five, 10 minutes, they weren't bad, but then we hit them on the break and then to use uh, Ed Izzard uh, joke, they collapsed like a flan in a cupboard and then it was, and that was it really. Um, and that's the first time anyone's ever referred to Ed Izzard in this podcast, but thank you. Well, well, you by the way, I'm going into the secret. For once, I missed kickoff and I got into my seat late, so I missed the first 10 minutes. So when I got there, it was like Brazilian football. Um, but 4-0, in the end, 4-0 sort of flattered them. I mean, I think we could have had a couple more goals quite comfortably and they couldn't have had any any complaints. Um, it was They were awful, though. It was joyful. It was joyful. I, I don't even care that they were crap. I just loved how no. great we were. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, Clive... You're a similar, I mean, I know I keep comparing ourselves to each other, that's probably wrong because nobody wants to be compared to me, but if there was ever a banana skin that was going to hit us up the arse and across the face and the back of the head, it was going to be ready at home after the run we've been on. Maybe. Am I just too old? Uh, maybe, but uh, having watched them, um, I, they're, they're, they're rotten, aren't they? There's clearly something going they're on. If you, if you look at the Reading message boards, 
there's all sorts going on behind the scenes with their squad. And uh, as James says, they they started okay in the first five minutes, committed a lot of men forward, but they were wide open at the back. And as soon as it started going against them, they, they just couldn't be asked. So it is slightly tempered by that, but not much because we played so well. Um, I had a real hard job picking man of the match. I think you could have given it to six or seven players, Johansson and Field, I thought both had their best games of the season. Willock is just unreal every week. He's he's approaching serious levels now where there's going to be big interest. Uh, Linden came back to form, having looked a little low on confidence and missed a good chance against Swansea during the week. So that was, that was great to see. Jimmy Dunn, I just can't believe Burnley have let that guy go and I can't believe we were just able to pick him up with no competition. I just, I look at him and think, you know, how has that happened? So, yeah, no negatives other than, as James said, at one point when the fourth goal went in, I was like, this could be anything. This could be six or seven. And I kind of wish it was because Reading aren't my favourite. And I think they, having let them off the hook a couple of years ago when Bidwell missed that penalty and they would have got relegated, I think, if he'd scored that. And I think they might get off the hook again this year because of the Derby points deduction. And obviously, Barnsley look like they've just given up and Peterborough pause. So and they might get away with it again this year, which annoys me. Um, because I don't like going to their ground very much. Um, but yeah, I just I thought we were brilliant, played really well. It's easy to say someone's gonna get a tonking soon. It feels like something we kind of say a lot. Yeah. But it's, it was so nice. It was so nice after a lot of the games just lately have been really tense at the end. Like we've been hanging on to one goal leader, we've been pushing to to snap a nil-nil. It was so nice to sit there for the last 15 or 20 minutes and just enjoy it chance mm. to take some players off as well and, and rest some legs yeah it was it was a lovely day lovely day you know it was really weird James and Clive last week's podcast I was talking and we were saying oh you know about players and strikers and transfer windows which you're going to come on to in a minute I know and I just kept thinking to myself that all he needs is a goal do you know what I mean all Lyndon needs is a goal all he needs is whether it comes off his arse his thigh is Privates, who the frick cares? As long as it goes in, I almost said goodies in. Um, is goodies a Northern Irish word, or is it? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I've, I've, um, sorry, I've just used Google Translate. Um, no. <laughs> um, ghoulies, no, ghoulies. I mean, there's ghoulies as in in the ghoulies, and ghoulies as in ooh, scary. Because uh, in Northern Ireland, we used to say ball bag, but I guess that. Anyway, so anyway, the, it, it didn't matter where it went in, it went in. And he was just a man possessed, James, wasn't he? He was kind of, you could literally see the frustration, the relief, and the new, in one foul, well, actually, beautiful header. It was actually a really, really good was, header and very difficult. Clive, you've got a better memory for this sort of thing, but there was a beautiful ball that went up to him and he just, you know, did a proper target man flick on to the right-hand side from where I'm looking. And I don't know if it led to anything, but I was like, oh my goodness, look at this guy. <laughs> um, because you talk about having target men. Austin, Austin has his strengths, but he's never been a target man. Um, it's just not, it's just not his game. And it's, I know what you're talking about. That flick up was very Les Ferdinand. Oh, it's beautiful, and it's so nice to see that we we can mix it, and you can play kind of metronome ball and bore people to death like you do with Swansea. There's nothing wrong with occasionally mixing it up, and um, I'm saying Swansea play like that, not us. And there's nothing wrong with like mixing it up and just hitting it if you know there's a guy that is capable of doing that. And I hopefully he'll go on a run again where he gets you know six or seven goals in eight or nine games, which is sort of what he did the last time. Um, and that could come come at a great time, actually, as well, as it's sort of sort of hotting up. 
his last uh, the last time he went on a long run without a goal and then broke it and set off on a on a good run that started with a goal against Reading as well so we just need <laughs> we just need Reading to sort of kickstart him I mean he went from the guy that missed that chance against Swansea where he just never looked like he was going to score it you know six yards out toe punt really poor finish and he didn't look confident at all. He, he went from that to in the second half on Saturday, that 25 yarder that burned towards the top corner. I mean, if that's what would, uh, if that had gone in, if the keeper hadn't saved that, it's what uh, we call in F block a stairs goal. We, that's a, that's a piling down the stairs to the, to the front goal, that one. So, uh, no, but then there was also, <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah, whatever. <laughs> there was also that, that shot by Amos that hit the post. You're kind of like, fucking heck. I mean, yeah, you know, the keeper made a decent save. Um, I think again from Dykes in the first half, and you just go, well, on the face of it, if you go back to the Swansea game, those those chances we missed were like felt like more than the chances we had in the whole game. In the in in the Swansea, but you're going to get a Swansea James. You're going to get a Swansea every three or four games. It's, it's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Amos, I didn't mention earlier, and is is worthy of note. I think um, that was that was a terrific display from him at the weekend. Um, and really deserved his goal, having, like you say, hit the post against Swansea, then hit the inside of the post again. He's two two ACLs. He's like the world's unluckiest footballer, isn't he, Luke Amos? So that was lovely to to see him score. I mean, we've talked a little bit, certainly on my website, we have about teams seeing Loftus Road as a place where you come and appoint a good result. And quite a lot of our games this year have been about breaking teams down and winning 1-0 tight games, often a late goal. And obviously we didn't do that against Swansea, it ended 0-0. I mean, dare we say perhaps Reading showed why teams do that? Because if you come and try and attack us and leave space, I mean, Reading are just desperately poor, but I don't think teams will set up like Reading did again against us at Loftus Road in a hurry, which is which is a shame probably. I guess, James, we're more prepared for teams coming and trying that kind of thing but also we don't seem to fear anyone do we I mean whether it's Reading or Bournemouth or whoever we we just seem to have an ability to suss teams out and go for it I mean you know other than Fulham who do sadly seem to be a class apart we can say that we can we can we can match them um we can match anyone I thought I thought we were really unlucky against Bournemouth you know they just when, when we played you know a while back at Loftus Road and even to be honest even even at their ground um, but what a lot of this is built on and I'm sort of obvious but I don't want to tempt fate by saying it defensively we seem pretty good which is something that you wouldn't associate uh, with Jesus has losing very long, for a very long time and I'm, I'm very actually I'm quite nervous about saying that and the fact that you know we would have been dying out for Yordi device type you know a couple of years ago and because he's basically injury prone, we were in a position to have moved him on to out on loan to play and brought in somebody who um, who looked pretty decent when he played against us for Birmingham. He looked like their best player in Dion Sanderson. And, you know, you've got Barbe getting near to, I think, 90 games almost or something, which is mm. insane. And which is, in turn, masking the fact that Rob Dickey, I think, has now nearly played 70 consecutive games. They just... Wow. They That's a fair point. Yeah, he has. It's, everyone talks about, obviously, Barbe is just unreal. His appearance and his minutes and whatever. But but Dickie's not actually that far behind him. And we've gone from, in Warburton's first season, I remember the big criticism of him was the way we defended and the amount of goals we conceded. I think we, did we let in 76 in his first year? And I think only Luton and Hull 
conceded more and Hull only conceded more because they lost basically one of their last games 8-0 while they were yeah, while yeah. they were collapsing. And a lot of those goals were from set pieces. I don't know if you remember there was a game at the start of last season against Coventry at St Andrews where the last 10 minutes was just us giving Carl McFadden free headers from corners until he finally scored one. Um, and I remember, I remember when I've interviewed Warburton really pressing this, why are we conceding? Why do we, why are opposition corners? Is that corners, when he got the arse? Yeah. Why are opposition corners, they basically like giving a penalty away. Like, why, why is this? Why are we doing this? And now you look at the three centre-backs we've got. I, I mean, I just, I can't get enough of Dunn, as I've already said. Barbe's playing really well after a little wobble before Christmas. And Dickie, I thought, was back to something like August Dickie on, on Saturday. But you look at those and Coventry, the Coventry goal, which I thought was just a great goal. You'd do well to stop that, I think. But that's only the fourth goal that we've conceded off a set piece this year. We've got the best set piece defensive record in the league. We've gone from conceding more than anybody else off set pieces to conceding fewer than anyone else in about, what, 12 months? And that's that, the only goal, Mar- only goal Marshall's conceded since he's joined as well. Yeah, I was going to save that for my R's end, but Marshall, Marshall or Dieng is certainly a, a debate to to be yeah. to be had because Marshall hasn't put a foot wrong. I've I've said on other podcasts, mm. I, I feel mean for saying it. I'll say it again. I think we it was sad for Jordan Archer what happened to him, but David Marshall's in a different league to Jordan Archer, and I've gone I've gone from being really worried about January and Afcon and how it would be with Archer playing instead of Dieng to we've got Marshall and. You, just haven't missed a beat. If anything, the goalkeeping's got better. Like that's that's actually been a bit of a stroke of fortune. That one, as unfortunate as it was for Archer. Yeah. I think if I'm being brutally honest, which we have to do because it's a podcast, we would people would just be saying we're Scrooges for the club or whatever. Stooges, not Scrooges. That was Christmas. God's sake, Paul buys up. Anyway, um, I think Marshall should keep it on purely on credit. Um, you know, you, he, he's. That save he pulled off on Saturday was amazing, but also the way he commands the box and Diang is class. But I would feel sorry for for Marshall if he if he if he was put in on the bench because he hasn't deserved it. And I'm not sure if Warburton's got that. I think his, his philosophy is if you're good enough, you keep playing. I mean, going back to Dickie, by the way, Clive, it, it's actually more a testament to how well done and Barbea playing that Dickie doesn't look as good as he did last season when he's actually still playing just as well just as consistently. Um, but they're all standing out so much. I mean, Reading looked terrified of our defence, and I like that. You know, they, they know they're not going to get shortchanged. Dunn's not going to get pushed around. And we've always, anyway, I'm waffling. Yeah, on, on, on Marshall, on Marshall I, I've been tossing this around in my mind, and I'm, I'm first of all, I'm pleased. Thank that God I'm, you said mind. mind. Yeah, I'm pleased I'm not the one that has to make the decision because it is a tough decision to make. I think certainly... <laughs> Um, I mean, Senny's away for the rest of this week anyway, so I, I kind of think the next few games are going to be Marshall regardless. Because Are you not surprised, though, Clive? And you know a lot about this league, because I'm surprised. He was third choice of Derby. But he well, is I, watched, I, watched, I watched Derby play Birmingham at the weekend, and how, how they think Allsop is a better goalkeeper than Marshall is just mystifying to me. I can only think that there was a personality or a finance thing. In the end... That, that, I think in in reasonably short term, you have to go back to Dieng um, because he is the first choice goalkeeper. He is the long term goalkeeper, uh, and as we'll probably come on to when we talk about finances and transfer window, we have to develop players that we can sell for money that we can reinvest in the team. And with the best will in the world, that isn't Marshall, but it is Dieng. So 
while I think short term you stick with Marshall, I th- you need to get back to Dieng as quick as you can. And I, I sent, well, I don't sense because I know because I, I read what people say on the website and uh, and socials and whatever. I th- I'm probably in a minority on that, but I'd say, I mean, Marshall will certainly play next week, but I would get back to Dieng as quickly as possible just out of pure pragmatism. But I'm probably in a minority on that. Especially if you go up to the Premiership. Wow. James? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I go to, I go to uh, QPR with my dad and he said, he said early in the year he felt that Dieng needed competition. Um, and, you know, I haven't seen enough of Archer play to really, truly comment. I mean, obviously I've seen him, I think he was, yeah, I think I've seen him when he was at Millwall stuff. He didn't instill me the confidence, but what Marshall will provide, I think is stiffer competition for, for Dieng. And I think that can only be good for both of them, but especially for Dieng, who is more of an asset in terms of kind of, you know, age and stuff. He's, I don't want to, it, it sounds very dismissive to somebody that was Scotland's number one, not too long ago, but you know, he's a, the Euros. He's a brilliant number two. Like he'll be I wanted, if, if, I, if I wanted to be super hypercritical, um, and Marshall basically hasn't put a foot wrong, so I'm not. I'm I'm kind of going out of my way to find something here. But I thought at Coventry, his kicking uh, and distribution was not uh, as good as Dieng's is consistently. I think Dieng has a better range of passing and kicking than Marshall. Um, but I, I mean, I'm clutching at straws there. I, I agree. I agree. Actually, yeah, but that's that's picky. Very picky, yeah. I mean, I'm listen. I'm just surprised it's worked out. In all truth, it's been a brilliant signing. It's another feather in the cap for Les and Mark and Chris to say we went out, <clears throat> we got in fella that maybe not a lot everyone expected us to get. But hey, he's been good. We, you know, three clean sheets, whatever. Brilliant. Move it on. Now we come on to everyone's been waiting for. Everyone was waiting that transfer window. Windows, sorry, I've gone a bit Belfast again. Um, <clears throat> it's because I've been spending too much time with my sister, and I went to see Belfast last week, and it's kind of just made me go back into my twelve-year-old self. All the tics, anyway, right? and all the six on the bingo card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no politics. It was a very good film. It's about peace, no hatred. Anyway, <clears throat> and if you get a chance, go see it. Even if I pop, I pop that, I pop that in the Guardian. <laughs> yeah, it should go on the poster. We should have that on the poster. <laughs> Even if they had like Paul Finney, four... open all ours, four stars, go and see it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, but they did have a thing in graffiti where it had Spurs on it, and I was thinking I lived there for a while and I've never seen Spurs graffiti. But hey ho, who's there? Danny, Danny. They, I listen. I actually, if we're going off on this tangent, I did actually listen to uh, the review and the interview about it on. Um, Kermode's film review, isn't it? Danny Blanchflower, isn't it? Yeah. That's that's why that's there, I think. Yeah, but he wasn't from that part of Belfast, though. Well, you you write in, you tell him this. That, but I will, because that's, that's the reason it. That's the reason it's there. Danny Blanchflower's <laughs> from the east. Jordy Best was from the east, and um, that was set in Tiger Bay, and he wasn't from there. But hey, I'm being as picky as you are about Marshall. <laughs> no, listen, Clive. Did you? Did you? At any point yesterday, and James think, oh, we're going to blow up. We're going to go for players. We're going to just go for it. We're going to do a Bournemouth. And what's your views in the transfer window? I'm going to start with James because Clive will never shut up. So I'm going to give James a chance. This I'll, is true. I'll, 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 be, I'll be relatively brief. And I tell you what, it's, um, I took a bit of a break with social media just to try and do it. And it was actually, it was really good. Really I helpful. recommend I had it. About, had about a month off. Um, but I came back to Twitter and it's really good because what you get are those um, absolute melons 
that create accounts that look like they might be official QPR or whatever. It's a brilliant time to mute. As soon as they come up for the first time posting nonsense, you bin them off. Um, but my favourite one that was just obviously, I think somebody I followed just made me laugh. It just said, Trapped is in Westfield. I have to say it really made me, I enjoyed that one. <laughs> and there was, a, you know, the part of me was like, I'd love that. Um, but then I was like, well, he's, 30, he's 32 and doesn't even play in the position he used to and it's way gone. But no, I'm, I was really glad with the business that we did. I didn't think that we were going to do do anything more than what we ended up doing um and I think at this point in time we've had a manager for a while they've got you know the structure of the club it has been in place for a while and they've got a policy and like you know we're fourth we're you know we could we win we win we win the next game results go away we go into the automatic spots so why don't we just let the people that seem to run it every day just let them get on with it a little bit and I'm not I'm not paid or sponsored by the club um that's just my personal opinion um obviously you want a bit of excitement and you drum it all up but the best thing to do personally is to avoid sky sports and all of the all of the nonsense and hype that evolves around that and just see oh who are we who are we going to sign is there somebody and then someone comes up and jeff hendrick is a i think it's a really good sensible solid signing you don't get 70 caps for ireland and not be very good um and if well, he's Steve Murrell played a lot for northern ireland so but carry on you know but also he knows he knows he knows done as well because I think they must have been at Burnley together at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Um, you can imagine that Warburton might have asked the opinion of former teammates. <clears> that sort of club. I'm, I'm, I think it's great. I mean, I mean, I guess if I would have been picky, it would have been nice to have had maybe somebody with pace come in because I think that's the one thing our team might not have that much. Saint Moses or the Badger out. It feels like we haven't got anybody that's rapid really. But I'm pretty happy. Clive. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to try and keep this succinct. But Everyone start boiling your eggs now. <laughs> yeah, no, it just, I mean, it boils my piss anyway, as you can probably tell from what I write and, and whatever. But um, but yeah, um, let's try and be succinct. So if you think back to last January, we did a lot of business for QPR. A lot of loans, Field, Austin, Johansson, device and I was on this podcast this week last year and basically said if you're doing that if you're having to do that amount of business in January that means your plan hasn't worked or I remember that things have not gone as you intended them to go if you're having to do all of that in January and as it turned out it transformed our season we did it very well but prior to that we'd only won four games in the first half Mm. of the season right so we did all of that business there and to me that's kind of what January's for it's either you know one or two little patch-ups, like we needed Marshall, obviously. Um, Sanderson's a good centre-back. For all we've just said about our centre-backs, they do play a lot of games, and you can't keep relying on that. I mean, this Barbe-Dickey miracle appearance run can't continue. You wouldn't have thought. You wouldn't, no. wouldn't want to leave that to chance. So Sanderson's good. I thought he was the best player both times we played Birmingham. So I'm really pleased with that. Um and Hendricks, yeah, I mean, they're obviously looking for some cover in that sort of chair Willock area, and that's why they were after Jamie Patterson uh, and some of the others they were linked with were in that position. So fair enough, it's 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 a it's a good loan. I just the obsession, the obsession with the modern football fan and, and transfers just blows my mind. I it's almost like the transfers are more important than the actual games, and. 
I just I find Sky Sports News utterly unwatchable. I think it's a dreadful channel. It used to be a bit of fun that you could take the mick out of, and we used to do live blogs on deadline day and whatever. But honestly, if I watch it for more than five minutes now, I just want to rip my own face off. And you've got you've got people on there talking about who's had a good window and who's had a bad window. And they're talking they're talking about oh Bournemouth have had a good window because they've signed six or seven players. That's if you're signing six or seven players in January, you you've got a problem. Like mm-hmm. Bournemouth won two out of ten games. They've gone from having that huge gap at the top to Blackburn and, and us have reeled them in. They've had to they've gone out and panicked and signed all those players because it's not going well. That's not a team having a good window. You having a good window if your team is so settled and is doing so well that you don't need to do major surgery on it. That's a good window. Um, I've seen people talking about showing ambition, which always grinds my gears when I when I see that. I've, I think if you think back to the summer, um, we all said if we get those four loans on a permanent basis, that would be amazing. And I don't think any of us thought that we would, particularly the sort of money that Austin was on and Johansson was on. We got all four and Dazelle on a permanent, which came out of the blue, Jimmy Dunn, like I said, can't say enough about him, and McCallum, and Andre Gray. I don't think any of us, correct me if I'm wrong, did anybody think we were going to do that amount of business in the summer? And everybody was rightly excited about it. It's worked out great. We're fourth in the league. Everything's going well. That was the statement. That was them showing ambition. They didn't sell anyone. They bought all of that. And that will have been expensive. All of that in the summer will have been expensive. So... That's basically your budget done for the season there. And it's going well. We don't have a lot of injuries. So you don't need to do a lot in January. But there's this, the, the amount of times somebody goes from a player that nobody's talking about to the difference between us winning promotion and not. That, that It's about 20 minutes. You go from nobody's talking about Jamie Patterson or Josh Madger to literally half an hour later, people are saying, that's the difference. If we get him, we're promoted. I, literally within half an hour. No one even knew who this guy was half an hour ago. It is mental. It is absolutely mad. Um, I think we've had a great window. Uh, I think the team looks good. You've got players coming back into the team now. People like McCallum, Chair, Dieng. I think we're very well set. Um, and I've got a lot to say about bloody budgets and FFP, but I'll shut up now because I've done five minutes. Now. No, I'll give you... No, I think we need to address the Bournemouth issue. Explain to me, because a lot of people have said about FFP, but I'm pretty sure that won't affect them this season too much because of parachute payments. Am I wrong? Am I right? Am I in the middle? Um, so Bournemouth, Bournemouth are obviously on, in receipt of parachute payments and have received big transfer fees for several players because the, the reason that we were able to go out in the summer and do what we did and hold on to the players and add was because we sold Eze. And they've sold quite a few of those. Ramsdale, Ake, there's three or four who've gone out of Bournemouth for big money. So they have got some money in. They've also got parachute payments. However, you've also got to remember the amount of money that Bournemouth spent in the Premier League. They bought a lot of £20 million plus players. Lerma, Solanke, people like this. And not all of them worked. Like People like Jordan Ibe just turned out to be dead money. Um, And that money is paid over a period of time. It's not... You don't just buy Dominic Solanke for £20 million and then you pay that £20 million into Liverpool's current account and that's the end of it. It's paid over a period of time. So I think Bournemouth came into the Championship owing quite a lot of money on back transfers. I think it's pretty obvious that they've gambled um, 
on on getting back this time. And if they don't, I think they're in. Uh, they'll be in some trouble in reasonably short order if they don't go back. Because even though they do have the parachute payments and they have received those transfer fees, I think they still owe a lot of money on players they've bought in the past. It does, right sort of, it does sort of feel like what they've... Listen, it might work out for them, but it does feel like what they've done is they've suddenly gone and bought a load of Christmas presents for somebody they don't know very well. <laughs> yes! Like the day before Christmas. And it might, you know, a couple of them might pay off, a couple of them might not, but it is, it is a bit of a risk. And it's, you know, like... <clears throat> Scott Parker's got a bit of a track history of a team that should really probably be in the automatics ending up in the playoffs. And obviously he's had success with that, but that, um, that seems to be, that seems to be mirrored here. And um, as I said, the only thing was, I just think we might, a bit of pace would be nice, but I'm not, I'm not actually that bothered that we haven't signed anyone else. Like, like, you know, um, Warburton likes his he likes his squad small, and this way it stays that way. And we've managed to get I think Kelman and Muston both go to Gillingham. Is that right? Yes. Um, so Neil you know, Harris so- Neil Harris has just gone in there as as manager. So that'll be that'll be interesting. Really. Um, and um, but but we you know we are trying to you can tell that the club are balancing the books and making sure that they're working. You know. Our, Cutting their cloth accordingly. Uh, to McNulty go to um, Crawley, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the on the ballot, we've got another set of accounts coming out in within the next. They usually come out sort of February March time, um, and it's the year it's the year that we sold Eze, so that money will appear on there, which is good. But it's also the year that we went through with no fans at all. There's like zero ticket revenue, so. The last set of account, the last set of accounts for 2019-20, we lost 16 million quid, and the set of accounts before that, we lost 10 million. Um, so it, that's going in the wrong direction. For all the talk of we're more sustainable, we're cutting our cloth, and that's exactly right. We are because we used to lose 45, 50 million pounds a season, but that's still a lot of money. I saw, you know, when you see people telling Tony Fernandez to pull his finger out and somebody yesterday coating off Batsia because he's paid loads of money for his wedding but wouldn't pay for Jamie Patterson and things like that. QPR costs, one uh, the last set of accounts, costs about £1.6 million a month to run in its, in its current pared-down version. So the owners are literally writing a cheque for £1.6 million every month just to keep us ticking over. Um, on the Patterson thing... And it seems that Swansea wanted £750,000 and we wouldn't pay it. We'll know more when these accounts come out. I don't expect these accounts to look brilliant because we didn't have fans in for the whole year. I'm, I wonder if it's not that we wouldn't pay for Jamie Patterson, it's that actually we couldn't. You're allowed to lose £39 million over three years. Uh, I think the last time we worked it out, our headroom on that was about 11 million. But when you factor in no fans and the really busy summer we had, perhaps we're pushing up against that now. And and I'd far rather us walk away from a deal if, A, we don't think the player's worth that. And Jamie Patterson's 30, he's coming out of contract soon. No sell-on value there, really. It's not the be-all and end-all that people are making out. But also... If that push, if that seven hundred and fifty thousand pound pushes as close to that to the FFP limit or the profit and sustainability limit as it is now, once you've broken that limit, you are under a transfer embargo. So any hope of you know let's push on again next season in the summer or next January is just gone. 
you put mm. on an EFL business plan, which basically means start selling players and selling players quickly at a fraction of their worth. So you're talking about Chair, Willock, Dieng, probably going cheap to get us back under. And then eventually you're, you're talking about points deductions. And I just, I can't believe some of the stuff I, I saw about QPR yesterday and some the, just the general tone of Sky Sports news about good window, bad window and transfers are brilliant and show some ambition, all of that is going on at the same time, literally within the same news bulletin as all this stuff that's going on at Derby, who did exactly this, you know, Derby, Birmingham, Chef Wednesday, they've all done this, ignored the rule, showed ambition, in quotation marks, made statement signings, spent loads of money, ignored the rules. And if you do it, you, you're fucked then for so, for so long. If we were to gamble, bust the limit, miss promotion this year, then the last five years that we've had cleaning house, we'd just have to do it all again. You'd lose all of you, your players for a fraction of their worth and you'd just have to start all over again with this cleaning house. So if QPR don't think that Jamie Patterson's worth £750,000 or and or they don't think they've got that £750,000 space on the cap to spend, then they, you should trust them in that. They're probably exactly right. Even to get Dion Sanderson on loan, it seems that we've had to loan Yordi device out. We've had to clear that bit of wage just to get someone in on loan. So I think we did the budget in the summer, and that was a huge statement when people talk about make a statement, show some ambition. That's what they did in the summer. They did everything we wanted and more in the summer. So to ask them and have a go at them for not going out and doing the same again in January, I think is, is you know, you've got, you've got short memory for a start because remember what they did in the summer, but also it might just be simple maths, even if they wanted to, maybe they can't. I think short memory is a big thing in, with, with, football fan, with football fans now, and I've probably been guilty of it in the past. But one thing that I have enjoyed about the transfer window was Nottingham Forest not letting me down and making <laughs> some signatures. Um, how th- their turnover, I mean, I don't know if they have like a Forever R's or like, you know, you know, Tricky Trees, Forest or whatever you want to Forever Forest. Be, yeah, the Sherwood Forest legends. Forever Sherwood. Yeah, but it would be, it, it would be vast. Yeah, um, they're mad. They're just what gets me at the minute is I, I I can't move on my athletic subscription without bumping into a deep dive on how brilliant Forest are doing and how much they've changed and how it's all different now and how Steve Cooper turned it all around and how it's all sensible and whatever. They on Friday they thought they had so many strikers that they could let Loyal Taylor go out to Birmingham. This is somebody who. Not 18 months ago, they were so desperate to get that they offered such an enormous amount of money that he refused to play for his club and his club got relegated as a result of that. They've brought him in. He's been fairly crap because he's just a decent league one striker. He's now, as of Friday, he's surplus to requirements. They didn't need, they play one match, lose it. Lewis Graben gets injured and suddenly by Monday, they're now so desperate for strikers. They have to pay £2 million for Sam Surridge who in turn Stoke only paid, what, £5 million for five months ago and apparently also tried to get Ashley Barnes from Burnley yesterday. So they've gone from Friday having so many strikers that Loyal Taylor can leave to literally within 48 hours trying to sign two more. They're mad, Forrest. They're absolutely mental. I sort of love them them for it. 
because they made what is it like a hundred signings in four seasons it's like where do you put where do you put them all (laughs) i've got a friend a friend uh, as a forest fan whenever it happens on switch i'm just like happy it's it's just it's just a a running gag it's it's, uh, (laughs) i absolutely love it but if you look under there if you look under when they tweet their announcement of their signings just click on it and look at the replies and most so many forest fans are saying that's great but we still need a winger and a left back and a new goalkeeper. I like you. What, how many players do you think you can actually pick? I mean, it's the culture. They, it's what they're used to. Sorry, Paul. No, they are literally trying to play a forest, aren't they, of players? But going back to what you said, Clive, about whether clubs should risk things, I don't think this club should ever risk anything ever again. If we finish seventh and we don't make the playoffs and they've been sensible in how they've approached this, and so be it. I, I'm not bothered. I don't want to get to the stage ever again of maybe going out with puppets, maybe having to do FFP fines, and maybe not having a football club to support. So I'm happy that we, we don't go for Jimmy Patterson or we don't do this and we just get players that we can afford and, and crack on with it. And if you miss out, you miss out. But it's far better than that than just overreaching and... We've been there, seen it, got the T-shirts and had the frigging nightmares, haven't we? Let's be honest. So I'm, I'm happy with that. And I, I think the biggest, to me, the biggest gain in our window was holding on to what we had. And I, I don't think a lot of people realise, outside of our fan base, how many good players we've got. I mean, I'm surprised no one came in for Willock. I'm absolutely amazed, actually, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, Don, I thought, would raise a few eyebrows. I thought Dickie would raise a few eyebrows. Diang, I was, I was worried about. You know, I was worried about so many players, chair this, that, and the other, and we've kept them all. That's I do, I do think that's test to me. Yeah, I do think we'll have to sell somebody this summer if we don't get promoted. Um, oh yeah, but and Clive, basically, basically, I think we have we kind of have to sell someone every summer. But the fact that they didn't last summer and didn't in January and have kept the team together and added to it, that is a statement, and that is them showing ambition. Yeah. And we are going for it. We're fourth in the league. Most of the teams up there are working on way bigger budgets, and you've seen that. You know, West Brom spent eight million pounds on DK. He gets injured. They go out and get Andy Carroll. Like, and we're above that. We're above them in the league. They're able to do things like that. We're above them. We've just beaten them. Um. So yeah, I think you know, credit credit to it. I do think we'll have to, and we'll know more when these accounts come out. But I, I suspect we will have to sell somebody this summer. Um. But we showed, you know, we showed with the Freeman money and the SA money that we we're very well capable of not only balancing the books like that but also investing the money well and making good, shrewd signings. Um, but, but the trouble is, Clive, you being James of an age, well, this is what QPR did. This is how we survived for years. It's, and, it's, it's, it, 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 and it put us into a strong position. I, I've got no problems bringing in young players, selling them for money and replacing them with very scouted, similar type players because they do the best for the club. We do well. We continue the structure. What you don't want is a thought span and it works just because you're blinded towards the Premier League. I think it's a really fine balance because when we, like you said, when we were younger, like late 80s and 90s, they they went through a period of, you know, selling David Seaman and then selling Paul Parker, selling Andy Sinton, but they, they, did it kind of, they did it kind of one at a time and they replaced them quite well. And then the, they, the balance went too far into towards the say the sales and not the reinvesting we we you know the, which led to the thompson out protests and all of that because that team had the capability of going on and you know maybe 
if they if they had just pushed the boat out a little bit and and added to it rather than selling and obviously then you lost sort of Bardsley, Wilson, Ferdinand, Wilkins all at once and it was too much. It's a really fine balance. Um, I think this season they have pushed the boat out. They have put they pushed the boat out in the summer by keeping players not selling, adding the loans and players on top. Um, so like I say, I think next summer you probably if we don't go up, you are going to have to sell somebody. But I think the idea that we haven't shown ambition or made a statement or pushed this season is wrong. James? No, no, um, I completely agree. Um, I was just thinking when you were talking about those transfers, the um, Les Ferdinand transfer, and then effectively it was Hately, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and that was that 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 was the that's that was the one that that was the one that broke my heart. I, I remember I may even have said this before. I apologise, um, but I was at Paddington Rec because that's where my school did sports, and someone in my year was Les Ferdinand's nephew, and he's like my uncle's actually doing a photo shoot. So I went over, I was like, Les, please don't go. And he just gave me a look and raised his eyebrows. And I shook his hand. I was like, thanks for everything you've done for the club. It was the saddest walk home. I think I had like 14 or 15 came in was like, mom's like, you all right? I went, Les is going to Newcastle. Just like, just like just grumpy for out. Wait for my dad's mm. comment. Les is going to Newcastle. I've just seen, I've just seen him over the wreck. <laughs> Gen- genuine. Paddington wreck. Paddington wreck. He I was doing a photo side. He was doing a photo shoot on the big astroturf in the, in, in, in the pitch. Yeah. That's why I played five aside. Yeah. Um, I've, I've played five aside. I've played five aside there too, to, to no great success. Um, but no, no either. Um, you know, it, it is it is what it is, and it, we all said, you know, oh, I sound like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, but um, you know, we'll, we will see what happens. I mean, it is like I'd love to be able to have gone. Oh, oh, let's get Cantwell in to help him get back to fitness and all that. But we're just we're not in that world. We're just not mm. financially in that world. And and then Bournemouth can stockpile them, and if it explodes in their faces, then 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 they're in trouble. And well, I didn't mind. There's more. If it goes like it went for Wolves and Leicester, you're great, right? It's absolutely golden. It was completely worth the gamble. They're Premier, settled Premier League clubs now. One of them's even won the Premier League. So it can, you know, you can make the gamble and get there and succeed and whatever. But there are far more examples of teams that tried, failed. And then you're literally screwed for years, years and years and years. Sheffield Wednesday, Birmingham, Derby, you know, Derby overspent and cheated and, you know, work, did workarounds and things like that for years and years and years. And it was really obvious they were doing it. And all, you know, all you heard from their fans is Mel's got you on strings. Like even this big romantic draw that Derby got against Birmingham at the weekend and two goals in the last minute and wasn't the atmosphere great. The guy that scored the equaliser, they, they got from Arsenal for 8 million quid two years ago. They haven't paid it. You know, it, you know they've got a player there that they shouldn't, they shouldn't have. He's unbelievable, Bielik. When you get him fit, he's probably the best midfielder in the league, but they haven't paid for him. And, you know, they're doing marches and singing, fuck the EFL. You know, I'd, I'd give the EFL loads of stick. They're, they're just rubbish. They're corrupt and incompetent. It's not the EFL's fault that Mel Morris basically ran that club like that and ran it in, you know, and the fans were loving it. They were reveling in, in that while Mel Morris was doing all that. And I think, you know, if it goes wrong at Bournemouth, I don't want to see... Bournemouth fans marching around in 18 months time singing fuck the EFL like you you know what you're getting into you've bought your ticket on this ride maybe it goes well for you but if it doesn't that's nobody's fault but yours I think the thing is I I've always feel for fans I always do even I felt for myself when QPR was spending money we I knew we wouldn't have 
Clever, we had many a conversation in the crowd and, and everything else where I'm like, why the fuck are we selling a Brazilian goalkeeper when we got green? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And it's all great and we defend it, but I'm kind of confused about that because I don't want any club to go to business. But they were one of the main contributors to our FFP fine. They wouldn't let it lie, as um, Vic and Bob used to say. They hammered us and hammered us. And when it came to meetings with the... And I've got this in good authority. They, they, them and forwards were like, QPR, I've got to get hammered. QPR, I've got to get this. QPR, I've got to get that. And we got done. And you're right. They, they got the guy from Arsenal they haven't paid for. They haven't paid wages. Mel Morris is an absolute disgrace the way he's run the club. I don't want them to go bankrupt. I just hope their fans will stop asking us to get fined when we've already been fined. They can't find this freaking well again. And we're the first to hold our hands up and say, we should be a blueprint of how not to do it. We took it on the chain. We knew it was wrong. We knew that we shouldn't have spent the money we did. And we didn't get any further for it. We had a couple of seasons in the Premier League and spent seven years in recovery. It was like the the worst drinking binge you could ever have that ends up with the biggest reflection you could ever have. And that's what happened to QPR. Yeah, and I don't want to happen to anybody else. I don't want anyone else to go through it. But I just hope that Derby and Clive, you're right to say they were literally using Mill Morris as a way of hammering other fans. You bet you wish you'd a chairman like us. I yeah, don't they... think they're saying that now. Yeah, I mean, I just I do I am struggling with the oh it's so unfair on the Derby fans because they really did revel in in all of these workarounds and it was very obvious. Steve Gibson and people were saying many many years ago that Derby are obviously breaking the rules here and this you know it was obviously going that way and that that it really triggers me that Mel's got you all on strings thing because I remember it at the time and you're seeing similar stuff from Forest and Bournemouth fans now. So yeah, nobody deserves to lose their club there is only so much you can do as a fan if some rich idiot decides to use your club as a chew toy and then spits it out as, as we know. Yeah. Um, but I think particularly now, I think fans have got to question protest, you know, just constantly be on guard because nobody cares about your football club as much as you do. Um, and if you, you know, if you think the EFL are going to ride to your rescue when it all goes wrong or the or the Premier League they'll just stand by and watch your club die which is what happened at Bury. so I think like I say coming back to the start of, of all of this the obsession with transfers and and some of its kids I think um who who are you know young and enthusiastic and naive and, and don't know any better and haven't been through bad times and whatever and just you know play computer games or hang around on Instagram or whatever and you know signings are exciting and you know they're sort of brainwashed into thinking that you've got to be making transfers and transfers are good and whatever so you know I get that but I've I've seen it from some QPR accounts I'm just like come on guys you're old enough to to know better on this Um, but yeah like I say the Derby thing is poor fans nobody deserves to lose their football club but they really did revel in all that Mel Morris thing and I think it's kind of getting that's kind of being forgotten at the moment. It's like, it's not their fault, but also they didn't do a lot about it, did they? And quite the opposite. Well, I mean, I, listen, I, I, solidarity with them trying to save the club as we would do any club. The only club I will never stand the solidarity trying to save is MK Dons. But everyone else I do feel for, but they blame us for the downfall. It wasn't our fault we won. We enjoyed it. It was a great day. You know, it, the odds were stacked against us. We'd, we had a player set off. We had a couple of shots. We won. I mean, we did. As we did. I mean, what what probably sticks in their craw more is that at that point, 
quite early in Morris's reign. I think their wage bill was somewhere around £20 million. And obviously that was the season that we just basically ignored the rules, cheated, £80 million wage bill, didn't really deserve to win the final, got won it in the last minute and went up. I'd, I'd be pissed off if I was Derby at that because, you know, we're here moaning about Bournemouth now. Just go, We did exactly that, that January. Exactly. We had a panic that January and signed... Ben Ayoun, Ravel Morrison, Mabida Maiega, Will Keane, Kevin Doyle, you know, on top of a squad that was already... So that we did what Bournemouth did. Um, but look where it got us in the end, you know. Even, we even got the promotion and it still fucked us in the end. You know, we, we've spent the last six, seven years cleaning up that mess. So even if you do win the promotion, it, it's no guarantee. No, that's why I say it's the longest drinking binge ever and the longest reflection ever, them sort of things. And that's why I like, James, what QPR are doing now. I like the way we're looking at players properly. We're, we're doing a proper structure and who we bring into the club. And do you think they're listening less to the message boards? Not that I'm saying they ever did, but I'm just thinking to the fan base and just trying to do it their way and then just sticking with the plan. Because if it had been, I don't know what you think, James or Clive, but if the fan base had the way, and I'm talking about myself, including everyone else, would we even have our manager we have in place now? We would maybe got rid of him. I don't know. I think we've got Les, who's learned on the job and has now been in the job a few years, um, mm-hmm. and that is and that is that's certainly helpful. And then what you've got is um, a very experienced and astute um, CEO and CEO, yeah, and Lee Hughes, who's worked at similar level clubs and helped balance and steady the ship there. And then I think what they've got now with having Warburton is somebody who agrees and marries up the principles of what those guys think and are looking for. And I think all three of them together work, work really well. And I think that means that, apologies, my cat has just introduced. <laughs> Mine was here a minute ago. She's probably off. <laughs> I mean, cats, a cat, cats, cats, cats um, don't give a fuck. Cats don't great. give a fuck in general, but that um, one really doesn't. <laughs> yeah, well, I know that's, that's, it's, it's, her name's Javier Chavanton. It isn't. Um, <laughs> we've we've got right, two cats. We'll start fighting them yeah, in the door. Yeah. Exclusive, exclusive. That's for the that's for those that have the video link. Um, um, but I think that's what it is. I think all of those things have married up, and so it works well. Um, the header, the header recruitment's a smart guy as well. Um, Andy Belk. I he's been there a long time. Like Les, like you say, has sort of grown up at the club and comes through different roles. He's a smart guy, and I think I think people will be showing an interest in some of our backroom staff and and certainly on the recruitment side. Um, you know, obviously another debate to be had about the under twenty threes and under eighteens and and how well that's going or 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 not. Um, but certainly on the scouting and recruitment side, I think people will come looking for our execs. I think we've also been, we, we benefited from keeping hold of the same manager for a period of time. Because as, mm. as I've often said, whenever you change the manager, when you change the manager as often as we changed it, and when, you, when you're swapping from such diverse characters as you know Hasselbank to Holloway to McLaren, it requires a hell of a lot of short-term surgery on your squad to take it from being an Ian Holloway squad to a Steve McLaren squad and things like that just keeping Warburton for three years has really, you know, has meant that we've been able to go from doing 16 in and 16 out in a transfer window to the window we've just had where you only need to make very slight alterations because the, the squad has been moulded, you know, in the image of the same manager for a period of time. So I think 
not only is, has Warburton obviously done a good job, but just keeping the same guy in place and coming through a bad patch without sacking him has been a... Stability been a is a good thing, shocker. Yeah, who would have thought? Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> astonishing. But also, but also maybe the board have learned from that as well, guys. Maybe the, the board have looked at that and said, well, we, we, we held the trigger and we, did, we didn't pull it and look at the reward we're getting now. Um, Do we think sliding doors moment, if you go back to last December when we lost 2-0 at home to Swansea mm. and we were absolutely miles off, just they were so much better than us, it wasn't even a contest. I think at that point we'd gone 10 or 11 games without a win. Uh, didn't even win at Wickham the week before that. We'd only won four times in the first half of the season. If there'd been a crowd at that Swansea game, I wonder, because it was behind closed doors, wasn't it? And you saw Les and Lee, who's at the end, sort of deep in conversation in the director's box. And obviously they went away and decided to stick with what they had rather than twist. I wonder if there'd been 10,000 angry QPR fans potentially sort of booing the team off and having a go at Warburton that day, whether it would have been different, whether if it hadn't been behind closed doors, Warburton would have got the push that day and it all would have been different. I think you're right. I think he would have probably been sacked. Yeah, he does does as well, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. does he really? He says he wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been surprised. No, no, I I totally agree. I'm just imagining kind of a bad away performance in a you know against another London team during that run, or even like Wickham, a bad away performance because it's not that far off. QPR fans can get to that, and you can't even blame Rob Styles. No, I think I think that Wickham game would have been very tasty that day because we were very poor. They equalised right at the end, yeah. but they did they deserved it. Like we were very bad in the second half that day. I think that could have been that could have been a tough afternoon if there'd been a crowd in. As but well. is it? But is this a lesson in general now to football and QPR and the board and the structure of football clubs? Is sometimes, well, apart from Mark Hughes, try and stick with the guy as long as you feel you're going in the right direction and be strong and ignore everything around you because we could have replaced Warburton and the shout at the time would have been uh, Pearson or someone like that or and that could have made things a lot worse so we're in a really good position now you've got other clubs who aren't in that position we've got one of the longest seven managers we've got a decent squad we've had a much better transfer policy Ains- Ainsworth, Ainsworth would have been Ainsworth would have been very high on the list of potential oh do you think point. so oh yeah okay I, well, I'm just guessing. But if if that had been the case and that had come to pass, that would have been another um, complete change in style from one manager to the next. You know, you go from war, but Ains- well, whatever you think about Ainsworth, and we all love him as a person, done a great job yes. at Wickham, but his style is very different to Warburton. So again, we're going down a sort of massive hypothetical yeah. rabbit hole here. But if you'd gone from Warburton to Ainsworth, that would have then been another complete sort of switch and turnaround in, in playing style and playing squads, you know, Another huge turnaround. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I'm pleased that we've come down the path that we have. <laughs> no, I mean, and we saved a lot of composition. Do you know what really? Before we move on, one thing I remember. I mean, I could have dreamt this. I don't watch reality TV programs that much, but I remember when High Red Nut was in the jungle or whatever he was doing. Right, they're eating. I don't know. Frilled callbacks and whatever. Um, he 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 turned around and joked that he was still being paid by QPR, and that hurt. Is one of the things of life, and you think of the money, money we've spent paying people off, and it just shows you that we've got it right this time. I'm not saying we should stick with every crap manager, and we should still 
not, but it, it's it's nice, and it's also a good story as well. We stuck, we should, we showed fear for him, and hopefully he'll show fear for us, and we'll all dance off to the merry lands and be marvelous in the Premier League if we go up there and take the money and run like feck. It's a good sign. Um, it's a good sign that John Eustace has. Tur- I think he's turned down Blackpool and Swansea manager's job to stay here as assistant. That's yeah. Sort Jim Freeland said that the other week, actually. Clive, that yeah. kind of it kind of tells you they've got something pretty good going on when the guy your assistant is turning down actual championship manager jobs. So Mark Warburton is lefty. Is Al Pacino's lefty to uh, Johnny Depp's Donny Brasco, John Eustace? When the when the book opens. John Eustace will get John Eustace will get pushed up to be um to be the new to be the new capo. Sorry for those of you that have never seen Donnie Brasco. Apologies. And I'm one of them. But maybe that's maybe that's the plan. Maybe that's the plan and a plan of continuity to recruit from within. You know, if Warburton eventually were to move on, because he will do at some point, and Eustace is still around, you'd got to think that he'd have a great, great shot. And why wouldn't you? Um, why wouldn't you? Have you got any more niche movie titles you want to throw in? Listen, listen, Donny uh, Donny Brasco is not niche. It's, it's a it's a fantastic movie. I've uh, never seen it, but then again, I've, I've also never seen a James Bond film. So who am I to be asked a question of? Well, it's uh, it's okay. I mean, I mean, we've had Belfast and we've had Donny Brasco. Yeah, um, I, think maybe... I am listening to Kermode. I'm on the Kermode show. I've always wanted to be on this show. <laughs> but maybe 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 t- maybe t- maybe two movie references uh, is enough. But no, I think it's quite telling that John Eustace decided to to stay, and maybe that means that there is. A, a plan, a longer term plan. Watch him and leave he, now. Watch him get. Watch him leave. Yeah, just thinking that. No, we've said that. Yeah, just get, a jo- get a job next week. We'll look like dicks. they sent a half a forest. He'll end up with Sheffield out tomorrow. Yeah. Right. We're going to go on to um, our end, and I'm going to start with James because you haven't been on for a while, James, and there must be something you have to say because you've always got something to say. Otherwise, it would be pointless to have you on. <laughs> I'm 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 not on pointless at the moment, Paul. I'm working Are on terrible. Um, but but you, I, but I hear you. you I think No, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a freelancer. So you know, I I I, I go I, I go wherever, wherever I lay my contract hat. That's my home. Sorry, another modern reference. Um, You're not doing pointless anymore, then. Not at the moment. No, I'm doing. Uh, Does that mean you can dish your dirt in the freedom fund? Uh, I'm I'm a professional professional first. Um, you know, I haven't got an appearance fee for this pool, so um, is, so, is he so, pro- uh, is he proper film though? Um, I mean, he li- he lives in Chiswick. Political, uh, so, I like it. Carry so, on, oh, Um Listen, listen, Richard, I like Richard Osman. Um, he, he's a professional he football fan. He might, he might not have an opinion on me. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I do have one thing. It feels like the ground's been filling up again, which is great, and that's marvelous, and I love to see that. But it feels like it's almost full, and yet the attendance numbers never seem to reflect that. Is our attendance actually, like our max capacity, actually smaller than it used to be? Like they don't, you know, that horrible bit in the corner, like restricted, the worst restricted view in football, arguably. They obviously don't sell that anymore. I just wondered genuinely if our capacity has kind of dropped a little bit, because um, I think it was about 16,000 for the last couple of home games. Yeah, I think it must have done, because I wouldn't, is it, where would you have put, 2,000 more people against West Brom. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think it must. I, I think we must have lost some some more seats somewhere along the line. If official, if official QPR historian for the club is listening right now, um, yeah, what's what's our capacity? Chris guy. Yeah, what's our capacities these days? Uh, these days, has it gone down? Because I feel like I don't it think it has. Is it? It's still. 
Okay, no, I know. Yeah. Just looking at how busy it was at West Brom and um, and and even Reading, and you were like, two thousand more people. I can't see that happening. This is what this is why I hit myself for drinking so much before football. I stagger in. I'm late for everything, and it's all a blur to me. But I, I, it's been sixteen thousand. It, it's looked a lot more than that. But then again, I've seen QPR say ten thousand under Jim Gregory when it was a hell of a lot more than ten thousand and twelve thousand. So yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I was in James. That was my R's end. It was what is it? Yeah, it was. I, I'll keep, keep keep it short and sweet. It's one. It's one for you to mull over, because um, it was a question have that I was asking. Have you taken um, the wee man to to Rangers yet? I have. I. Uh, it's weird. I'm trying not to embarrass my, my future son. No, he's too little. He's too little. He's you know. He, Never stopped you. He, the, what's funny actually? Um, <laughs> That's quite funny. Funny is the last time my little boy said. What did my little boy say? He said. Don't go to the football with Brandad. So I had to lie and say I wasn't going with Brandad. Um, but obviously I was, because that's who I go to the football with. Um, so that's what I've now, I've now had to say that I go to the football on my own um, to get him to not want to come along. He's not bothered about going to the football with me. It's all about the older generation. Basically, basically even your son prefers your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. And that is Pretty definitely much. yours then. You've got nothing else to add. You don't want to thank anyone in Pointless or anything like that for a wonderful career. Uh, Paul, I'm I'm 40. I've not retired. Um, so I'm 52, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. No, well, back it, no. knees it. Okay, my R's end is, uh, I do have an R's end actually, because obviously it's the cup coming up. And um, they'll talk about feeling a weakened team, but our squad's so small, I don't even think it will be that weakened. Um, so it'd be nice to see us just just have a go, but I don't want to say the classic thing of what we're, we're doing. We're not doing predictions, James, we're doing R's end, mate. Predictions well, is next. Okay, well, my R's end was going to be, who would, you, who would you play and leave out this weekend? And it comes with the caveat that we discuss this before every cup match, it seems, and Warburton. Uh, very rarely actually does make wholesale changes for the cup. So you would leave out who? Wallace, I would think, get a rest. I think Albert would get a rest. And I wouldn't be in a rush to see Chris Willock, to be honest. Uh, but apart oh, from that, I would think it'll be pretty much normal. I'd love, bring, I'd, love, bring, I'd love to see George Thomas have 90 minutes and maybe something, a goal goes in off his shin. Um, just I wish he'd scored really... on Saturday when he went through. When he went through, ah, oh, just he took too long. I just he's played quite well as a sub, particularly at Coventry. I thought he was very valuable in that long period of stoppage time. But I just, if you could get him a goal, he might. There might still be a player that I've been biased in his favour since we got him because I liked him when we signed him, and he's basically been rubbish. Um, so it's a bit okay. Hard. So who who can we bring in, Clove, to make a difference on Saturday? Who who can be fresh? Who can freshen things up? And do we do take out Dykes when he's just scored and done so well, and his confidence is flying? Remember, <sighs> remember who you've got in the midweek though. You've got that Middlesbrough game coming up straight after, which is absolutely enormous, isn't it? They're going great right behind us. Okay. Um, you would certainly. I'd like I say, I wouldn't play Willock. I think if he got injured now, it would be a big problem for us. Um, you would think Hendrick and Sanderson would both play. One of the centre-backs will probably at last get a rest here. Sanderson, you would think, will start. Ahead of Dickey, perhaps? Well, presumably whichever one of the whichever one the sports science guys say he needs the rest the most. Sanderson okay. So of you him. brought in Thomas for Willock. You bring in Sanderson for Dickey. 
Um, no, I, don't, I don't think there will be all these. Warburton never does this. He never that's makes what all I these changes. That um, was my unintentional R's end that ble- blended into the next thing. Like, he doesn't make that many changes. The squad isn't that big. big. And when you think about it, you are the, the people that you are considering, there isn't that many. It would only maybe be three or four people that you would just want to rest. And those three or four people that you know, there isn't going to be somebody random that just suddenly gets thrown in from nowhere. Um, just because of the size, size of the squad. So my R's end is I hope George Thomas scores in the FA Cup. All right, you're having more R's end than me. That's just not That's fair. because you kept on pressing me for one and you've retired me from my uh, professional career. I don't think you retired yourself, mate, by getting freelanced. Um, I think... I've always been freelance, Paul. Oh, <laughs> not about me, me, me. Um, I think that we could possibly... What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to go on to next easy. Um, Johansson, I think he'll be taken out Saturday. I think he's, you know, to me that would make sense. Um, yes, Clive, that's a bloody good question. And I never thought you'd actually ever do that on this podcast. But yeah, it's a tricky one. Do you bring in Austin for Dykes or do you play two up top and bring in Gray? I mean, does, uh, does Sinclair Armstrong feature somewhere here? Maybe off the bench or. I see. I, I think we'll win anyway. We're moving on to predictions. There you go. I think we'll win, which means. Hang on, I've done my R's end, you gobshed. Which means we won't. <laughs> um, hang on. Oh, I'm not that, having. That'd I'm be a first. No R's end. Well, no, hang on. This is. This is. I'm, I'm chairing this podcast very, very badly. You were very professional at this. You were very professional at the start, but I noticed that while I was ranting on about the transfer window, a pint of cider disappeared fairly rapidly. Yeah, so I, I, think, I think that. Behind the curtain, there for you listeners. I think that's why that's why the ending is like this. Yeah, it's kind of gone a bit rogue. But hey, it's good. This is this is why podcasts were brought into the the world not to be not, professional. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. <laughs> Shut up, Clive. I'm, I'm on one. Uh, my R's end. Actually, I'm really looking forward to Saturday. I'm glad you all asked. Um, the last time I went to Peterborough was a little bit busy, should we say? Very busy. Um, a lot of busyness going on. Hopefully, it's not as busy this time and. Things aren't flying through the crowd like they were. I, you know, I was a bit mad. I thought I was back home for the weekend. Um, and um, we win, and it's all nice and lovely. And we walk out of Peterborough and go back to London with an, in the next in the hat again, as they say, which expression I really hate, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to a good cup match and a great atmosphere. And I can't believe, again, we're bringing 4,000 fans. I mean, I can't remember a time we kept bringing so many fans to away games like this it's bloody brilliant and I, can't, I, mean, I can't remember it being like this either it's just the away support is unreal seeing all those people at Coventry and then going again to Peterborough it's absolutely amazing like, it's just beautiful it's a wonderful thing because I remember years ago I talked to my mates and said Jesus the fan base is my age and I'm an old bastard and I need replaced and there was no one there and I, and all of a sudden People have grown up and they've got back into it. The atmosphere is better. The, the attendances are better. And my odds end is, please keep doing that. Please keep building this football club because it's a bloody good football club to support and it will change your life because you'll go up the top of the hill and you'll be down at the RSN before you know it. And that's QPR. So enjoy it. And Saturday will be amazing, which brings me on nicely to predictions. And I'm not going to go to you, Clive, first because you were rude to me a second ago. So by saying I started off with it, professionally and then there was a drunk Irish man at the end without saying the Irish man but I'm going to throw it in did I mention Belfast was a great film carry on James 
Oh, oh that's in black and white as well. Two, two, two nil to the R's, and I'm going to say George Thomas to get one of the goals. Have Peterborough got any strikers left, Clive? Uh, yeah, they got Johnson, Clark, Harris. Um, I think we'll win. I think we'll win. I think Warburton will make um, make a bit of a point of righting the wrongs of the first game there, and I think we'll win the game, which worries me because I'm never right. Whenever I say that, we don't. Um, fifth round would be another midweek game, I think, isn't it? It's actually all the fifth rounds are midweek this time. Do you know what date roughly that is? Uh, it's either just before or just after we play Cardiff at home. I can't remember, but it would add another fixture that we didn't particularly need. But look, uh, I think we'll win and I think cup runs are a good thing. I think it furthers confidence and builds the atmosphere, you know, creates events. I'm gutted that we didn't get that quarterfinal at Arsenal, thanks to Keith Stroud and his linesman friend. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Big away support. And, uh, yeah, I, I do think we'll win. So, you're going for 2-0. James, you went for... I forgot that. 2-0. 2-0. So, I'm going to say 4-0. We're, we're all going to look proper, <laughs> proper knobheads when we get punted out on Saturday. <laughs> Pick, pick the under pick the under 18s and lose 3-0 and they get the insight levels of this podcast will have reached new lows. The good thing is, by this point, being handled so unprofessionally, no one's listening. We'll get away with it, lads. Trust me. <laughs> Probably right. Um I no, I think we I think it's the cup runs galvanized. Winning is a great habit, and we seem to be winning a lot, and we seem to be very galvanized. So it'll either be one nil to them, or we'll absolutely have, hammer them and annihilate them. Who knows? It's QPR. I'm just looking forward to a lovely day out. And I tell you what, this has been a superb podcast handled by a cider drinking madman. <laughs> and I've got nothing more to say to that. Clive, would you like to say, on behalf of your no, message board, this out. <laughs> no, 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 on behalf of your message board, is a general opinion cup run or league position? Oh, league position, definitely. But they're not, they don't have to be mutually exclusive, you know. Thank you. I agree. I think you can do both. And why not? Why the hell not? Right, everyone, I'm going to end the podcast here because, quite frankly, we're waffling a lot of shit. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to us and staying with us and keeping the faith just for this podcast alone, never mind the ours. And um, what a brilliant season. James, don't be a stranger. Come back more often, mate. We, 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 we love having you on. I know it's uh, it's um, well, seeing as seeing as I, I I'm a freelancer, I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm always available now. So apparently, I haven't got any work. Uh, but no, that's not true. Uh, but no, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'd love to see his C three. Um, I'm just desperate. Just interview me and see what happens. Clive, it's always good to have you on. We'll probably both be called celebrity fans again after this. But hey, oh, we can live with that. And um, thank you for. I know you've had a hard week, Clive, but I do appreciate you coming on this podcast. And I also appreciate everyone for listening to it. It means everything to us. And thank you very much. See you all again next week, I hope. And um, hopefully waiting for the fifth round draw at home to the scum. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening. This has been Open All Ours. And God bless you for sticking with us. Goodbye. <laughs>